Well, Lord, we just thank you this morning that you want to speak to us today. And Lord, we come with expectation in our hearts that this is not just going to be another service. But Lord, we've come today to meet with you. We've come today to hear from you, Lord. And I pray from your word today that you would speak deep into our hearts. Challenge us, Lord God. Encourage us, Lord. Help us to grow closer in our relationship with you today, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. You can take a seat this morning. Isn't it great to be in church together? I feel like I've got another stage here this morning that I could, I could, uh, I could preach from here this morning. Uh, and it's another view of everybody. I can get up close and personal. It's, it's fantastic. Who's excited for the game this, tonight? I was going to say this afternoon. It's all about the NRLW with the Newcastle Knights in the grand final uh, this afternoon. But the Panthers and the Broncos later on tonight, it's going to be great. I'm excited for it. But really, you know what it's really about, the NRL? It's really about who wins the Dally M. And I've got to say, both the men's and the women's, Newcastle Knights players won the Dally M. So... It's fantastic. It's great. And I'm believing tonight, I'm actually going for the Panthers tonight. So I'm going to get behind the locals, our Panthers. To be honest with you, I know I stir you up a lot, but I've actually got a soft spot for the Panthers. I'm going to say that out loud. I actually have a soft spot for them. It's going to be good. Well, we are kicking off our series today called So You May Believe. And it's on the book of John. And I hope you've been able to read over this week, John chapter 1 through to John chapter 4. And there's a lot of exciting things that have happened in John chapter 1 to John chapter 4. We hear a bit of an introduction of Jesus and Jesus being the Word of God in human flesh. We hear about uh, the the first disciples that come along. We hear about the wedding at Cana and Jesus' first miracles. We hear about the great passage in John chapter 3 where we hear that, uh, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. One of the most well-known verses in the whole Bible. And then we hear in John chapter 4 about Jesus and the Samaritan woman, which we're going to take some time this morning and focus on that in a few moments' time. But I've got a quick video intro, and it goes for a minute 25, just to give you a bit of an introduction on the book of John as we kick off our series over the next six weeks or so. So when you have a look to the screen. The Gospel according to John. It's one of the earliest accounts of Jesus' life, and we learn at the end of the book that it comes from one of Jesus' closest followers called the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, he appears many times in the story itself, and there's some debate about whether it's John the son of Zebedee, one of the twelve, or a different John who lived in Jerusalem and was known in the later church as John the Elder. Whichever John it was, the book embodies his eyewitness testimony, and it's been brilliantly designed with a clear purpose that he states near the end. John says, the story is written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing you may have life in his name. John believes that the Jesus you read about in this book is alive and real and that he can change your life forever. 
The book's design is really cool. Its first half opens with an introductory poem and a short story that's followed by then a big block of stories about Jesus performing miraculous signs that generate increasing controversy. And it all culminates in his greatest sign, the raising of Lazarus, which creates the greatest controversy as Israel's leaders decide to kill Jesus. And that launches into the book's second half. These chapters focus on Jesus' final night and last words to his disciples, which are followed by his arrest, trial, death, and resurrection. The book concludes with an epilogue. In this video, we're just going to focus on the first half. So the book opens with a... There we go. So there's a bit of an introduction on the layout of the book of John, and you can see as it goes through all the different areas, and you can understand that the book of John is all about belief. It talks to us about the miracles of Jesus Christ. In fact, let me read you some stuff about the, the book of John. John is the story of Jesus God who came down to save the world. The book was written by a disciple whom Jesus loved. The church traditionally attributes it to John, one of the 12 disciples. And John is the fourth and last gospel, an account of Jesus' life and ministry. John focuses on the deity of Christ more so than any of the other four gospels. We see that John may be the final gospel, but this narrative begins far, far earlier than the other three. While Mark begins with Jesus' adult life and Matthew and Luke begin with his physical birth, John opens with the beginning of all creation where he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We see in the book of John a whole bunch of I am statements that Jesus makes. He says, I am the bread of life. I am from God, and He sent me. I am the light of the world. I am God. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the Son of God, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, truth and the life, and I am the vine. The book of John really opens up for us an understanding of who Jesus is, God with us here on earth. We see the miracle working power of God many times through the book of John, and it's really written with the ending in mind where it says these words, and the, the, the writer says this in John chapter 20, verse 30, it says, Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed, in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. So that's the purpose. That's the theme of the book of John. So that we would know Jesus, that we would have life in His name, that we would believe in Him. And that's what we've called this series, So That You May Believe. It's a book full of belief. It's a book full of un unpacking who Jesus really is. He wasn't just a good teacher or a prophet or a nice guy. He was the miracle-working God. He was the God that came to earth for you and I so that we could have relationship with Him. And so this morning, we're going to uh, take a look at John chapter 4, and I've entitled the message this morning, The Barrier Breaker. The Barrier Breaker. Jesus is the ultimate barrier breaker. He breaks down barriers that get in the way between God and humanity. And what happens in our life is we can often build up walls, we can build barriers, but we see Jesus is always trying to remove those barriers so that we can have a relationship with Him. That is the ultimate goal. In the book of John, we see that so clearly that the ultimate goal is that God would have relationship with us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but He came to save the world. 
And the truth of the, the, the gospel of John is that we are all called into relationship with God. It doesn't matter who we are, what our background is, what mistakes we've made. God wants to know us and remove any barriers that would maybe get in the way. So we know barriers in our world today that can sometimes bring safety to our lives. We think about uh, a guardrail or something like that on the road. It's a, it's a barrier that's there to protect us, to make sure that we're safe. Or maybe you go to the zoo and you're, you're looking around at the zoo and there is some lions there. Well, we thank God there's some barriers there that are holding them back from getting close to us. Or maybe you go to the Hovenden's house for dinner and uh, they've got a whole bunch of snakes in their house. But you thank the Lord every 30 seconds that you're there, that it's behind some kind of glass barrier that these snakes can't get out. And, uh, and you just hope that Troy doesn't want to take you over to the container and, and open it up and, and let the snakes run around the house as you're having dinner. But you're thankful for that barrier that's there. You're thankful that they, they can't get out. But the thing about Jesus is there's good barriers in our life, but there's also barriers that hold us back from our relationship with God. And Jesus is always trying to get rid of those barriers so that we can have communion with God, so that we can have relationship with Him. That's what the cross was all about, that Jesus would remove that barrier of sin, remove that barrier that would separate us from the love of Christ. I love in John 10, 10, it reminds us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and life more abundantly. And he's trying to remove those barriers so that we can know that satisfying, real, rich relationship with Jesus that changes everything. See, Jesus broke cultural barriers. He broke physical barriers. He broke religious barriers. He broke man-made barriers. We all know the story about when that curtain, that veil was torn from top to bottom when Jesus died on that cross as a, as a symbol of the fact that there is no longer a separation between us and going into those, that holy of holies in the temple. That curtain has been torn. We can have direct relationship with Jesus Christ. He removed that barrier. He tore it down and he died on that cross so that we could have that relationship with him. The beauty of the gospel is that we don't have to be perfect that we just have to open up our hearts to relationship with Jesus and He wants to do something powerful in us. So John chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles this morning, let's have a look, starting from verse 3 of John chapter 4. It says this, He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And He had to pass through Samaria. So He came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. So this is the beginning of the text, and this morning we're going to talk about six barriers that Jesus broke to reach the woman at the well and the people of Sychar. And so if we look this morning in John chapter 4, verse 7, as the story goes on, we see that Jesus, firstly, what did He do? He broke the barrier of differences. It says here, a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And just, just one for the guys uh, this afternoon. If you go home, and uh, you're sitting on the lounge this afternoon, and, and you just decide to be more like Jesus, and say, woman give me a drink. That's not wise, okay? I'm just going to let you know that straight away. Make sure you see Scripture in context this morning. So a woman was there. She came to draw water. Jesus said, give me a drink. 
For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Culturally, there was a barrier there. He should not have been speaking to a woman. He should not have been speaking to a stranger. But most of all, he should not have been speaking to a Samaritan woman. Somebody that the Jews hated. The Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. There was no connection that was taking place there. And they would, in fact, they would often travel around Samaria instead of through Samaria because they didn't want to be near these people. And so Jesus had decided, no, I'm not going around it. I'm going through it. And not only am I going through it, I'm going to engage with the people that are there. Jesus broke a whole bunch of barriers to do this. So Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Can you imagine what it was like for Jesus just walking on the earth, just knowing that he was God? Just walking around, engaging with people, them not realizing who he was, but him being God who had created them walking around the earth, engaging with people, and they don't even believe who He is. It would have been such a strange experience, being that, walking around and doing that. I mean, I would have approached it very differently if I was God. But He humbly walked the earth and made sure that people had the choice to engage or believe with Him or not. He never forced Himself upon anybody. Very interesting thing, isn't it? And so Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying this to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. So where the conversation changes with Jesus, where he's not just talking about the natural anymore, he's talking about the spiritual. And he says in verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come and draw from the water again. I love how Jesus had the ability to turn a natural conversation into something supernatural. In terms of connecting with somebody, he had a whole bunch of differences with this lady. She was somebody that he would in the culture of the day, should not have associated with. He was a rabbi. She was somebody that was seen as a, as, as a sinner. She was a woman. He was a man. She was a Samaritan. He was a Jew. There was a whole bunch of differences. But Jesus' first thing that he did in this conversation is he cut through the differences. He cut through the barriers and said, you are more important than the differences culturally that would want to separate us. And I think there's something powerful about that when it comes to us being people that want to share the gospel to those that are around us, we walk out of this building today into a world that does not believe the things that we believe. They have a whole bunch of differences to us. 
They believe a whole bunch of different things to us. And we have the choice to come out of this building today and to let those differences divide us or to break down the barrier and say, I choose to love you above your differences. Doesn't matter whether you're left or right. Doesn't matter whether you're yes or no. Doesn't matter whether you're vaxxed or unvaxxed. Doesn't matter whether you go for the Panthers or the Newcastle Knights. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white. It doesn't matter about the differences that are around us that are often used to divide us. We're united in Christ. We're united with the purpose of God, that God has called us to be light and salt in this world. And we sometimes let these differences divide us and destroy us and, and pull us down instead of understanding that we lead with love. We lead with the love of Christ, that any person can come to know Jesus and that we should be open and transparent about the fact that God loves every person. Every single person is accepted in his love. So Jesus broke the barrier of differences. The second thing this morning is this. Jesus broke the barrier of sin. John chapter 4 verse 16, it starts to get a bit heavy in this conversation. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. I mean, this conversation went from a friendly conversation about a drink of water. <laughs> Next minute, Jesus has completely read this woman's mail. Seen with the inside of God into her life with what's going on. And he speaks straight to her sin. And so what he's doing in this conversation is he's opening up a conversation about the fact that sin is a barrier in your life. But the whole idea of this conversation is that that barrier would not remain. Jesus has identified the barrier, but he's going to go on in this conversation and talk about how he can break down that barrier so that he can have a relationship with her. I love the beauty of the gospel is that sometimes we get in patterns of sin and that we can have shame that's attached to that. We can have things that cling to us because this pattern is there. And I want to remind us this morning that it's Jesus' design that sin would not be a barrier, would not be something that stands in the way because He's dealt with that on the cross. So we need to submit that to Christ and say, I'm going to leave this sin behind. I'm going to lay that down and I'm not going to allow it to be a barrier in my relationship with God. Remembering this... That God's intention for us is to be in direct relationship with Him. That no barrier would be in the way. That's why He dealt with sin. And it's amazing how the enemy takes our sin and wraps it around us like a python or something like that that's trying to choke the life out of us. When really Jesus has already dealt with that. And we need to make the decision to lay that down. In fact, in Romans 6 verse 10, it says, When He died, He died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So we should not be held back any longer. Jesus wants to break the barrier of sin. Thirdly, this morning, Jesus broke the barrier of knowledge without relationship. In fact, this woman acted in quite a strange way when Jesus brought up about the sin. All of a sudden, she went over spiritual. She spiritualized the conversation and went into a theology debate instead of addressing the sin that was in her life. She says this in verse 19, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. 
She's realizing, hold on a second, this guy, he's got some insight here. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. You can could, you could almost hear the theological uh, kind of voice that she could, kind of spoke in. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. In other words, salvation has come through the Jews to the Gentiles to everybody. Verse 23 says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers uh, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that that Messiah is coming. He who is called to Christ, when He comes, He will tell us all these things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. So she started to try and make this conversation about which way, which part of the mountain that you face to worship Jesus, what area do you need to be to worship Jesus. And Jesus is saying, hold on, cut all that out. doesn't matter where you are, you can encounter Jesus. And in fact, he says, I am Jesus standing right in front of you. It's funny how sometimes we act when our sin is exposed. We can get over-spiritual. We can have a theological conversation. I love in this passage here she had a lot of knowledge but Jesus said you know what there's a barrier here between your knowledge and actually having a relationship with me and I find that that can happen to all of us in Christendom as we journey along in our relationship with Jesus or journey along in our faith journey we build up a lot of knowledge about scripture we know how church works we have a lot of experience and knowledge that that we have And we can find ourselves operating out of that place instead of a fresh, vibrant, real relationship with Jesus. It's almost like our knowledge replaces the relationship. And I think what Jesus is showing us in this passage is He's saying, you know what, forget about all of the knowledge and actually have relationship. Let's move this barrier of pride and knowledge. And knowledge is not bad in itself, but when knowledge is bigger than our relationship with Jesus... We miss the whole point because Jesus come for a relationship with us. And I think Jesus is pointing out to this lady, fantastic, you've got, I want to have a theological debate about this or fantastic, you have a knowledge about this, but I'm Jesus and I'm standing right in front of you right now and I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know you personally. There's something powerful about that. Now we had um, the 180TC golf day a couple of months ago and um, I thought, here I am, Lord send me. And so I thought, I'll I'll go along, I'll be part of the 180 TC day. It's missions, right? And so we went along, and there's about 10 guys from our church, and we went to support this day. And it was all about raising funds for incredible organization, 180 TC. And I got there, excited, smile on my face, in the morning, let's go, it was a beautiful day. And and I got there, and as I'm we, we got there and put my sun cream on, put my hat on, get, get all sorted outside. So you've got to go inside the clubhouse, quickly get registered and come back out and then, and, then, and then get ready to go for the day. And so I walk in there, I'm beaming, I'm saying hello to people, walk in there with a massive smile on my face and I'm just excited for the day. And as I walk in there, I see this guy, this older gentleman, he locked eyes with me in the clubhouse. 
And he just kind of looked at me, and I'm like, you know, there's kind of days where you're like, oh, maybe I know that person. And so, you know, you just kind of feel like, oh, yeah, maybe we've seen each other before, you know, around these kind of circles. And he kind of looked at me, and then I realized the stare was like, it was complete disdain. And then the guy was looking at me like, I'm like a piece of dirt. And I'm like, our eyes just locked, and he's looking at me, and I'm walking in, I'm like, okay, this has gone from fun to really intense. And he's just looking at me in my eyes, just stopped. And, and, and I'm like, oh, okay, what's going on here? And he goes, let me teach you some respect, son. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know you were my dad. Um, and I'm like, okay. And he's like, get that hat off in the clubhouse. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I turn around, I'm like, there is literally 50 other people with hats on in there. And I'm like, why was it me? Uh, why did I do that? And so I'm like, oh, sorry, sir. I t- t- take my hat off and, and, and I realize, oh, I- I've broken a rule. A rule has been broken. <laughs> you do not wear your hat in the clubhouse. And then I watch this guy. He went along to all the other people and he's telling them, take your hat off, take your hat off, take your hat off, all this kind of stuff. And I thought, you know what? There was a rule that was in place. And he was so caught up on the rule that he forgot about the fun of the day. He forgot about why we were there. He forgot about the fact that you can actually just ask someone politely, hey, mate, we don't have our hats on in the clubhouse. He forgot about the way to actually do that. There was no relationship there. I watched everybody that interacted with this guy. It was like, my goodness, could you just please ask me to take my hat off? You don't have to ask me that way. You don't have to treat me like I'm a piece of dirt. And I think that's what happens to us as Christians, when we put the rules above relationship with Jesus, we highlight everybody else's mistakes. We highlight all the things that we've gone on. I'm never going to wear my hat in the clubhouse again. But we can pick those things out about people. But actually, Jesus has called us to love people and have relationship above the rules. And I want to encourage us as people, Jesus was way more concerned about actually having a relationship that brings transformation rather than spouting knowledge that's just information. Jesus wants to do something powerful in us. The fourth thing this morning is this, Jesus broke the barrier of the lost and the found. It says here in John chapter 4, verse 27, then Jesus, uh, then just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, Why do you, what do you seek or what are you talking with her? So the woman left her her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. I love the fact that Jesus did not see a barrier there. He could have just hung with his posse, his 12 disciples, But he showed that he was on mission to reach people. He wanted to interact with the people. He wanted to see no divide between the lost and the found. He wanted to go and welcome them home. I love about Jesus that we always see him going to the lost. Even on the cross in his last breath, in his last few breaths, here he is with the sinner to his right and to his left, preaching to them, inviting them to the paradise with him. I mean, I don't know about you, but I would not have been focused on that in those last few moments. But Jesus was. He was always going. He was always reaching. He was always making sure there was no divide. The fifth thing this morning is this, and Jesus 
broke the barrier between living for self and living purposefully. It says here in John 4.31, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not see? Uh, say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. So the disciples were hangry. You've all been there. You haven't eaten and you're hungry and you're focused on that. But Jesus was saying here, hey, listen, you know what I'm hungry for? I'm hungry for people to come and know me. I'm hungry for relationship with people. I'm hungry for the purpose of God. I'm hungry to bring people into the knowledge of God. And I love in this passage here that Jesus is making it clear that we all have a part to play. We're all part of the chain of God's purpose. Someone's sowing, someone's watering, but in the end, God's bringing the increase and He's growing and He's helping people. And I think if we approach every day like that and think about the people in our world and our workplaces and families and friendship groups and think, hey, could I move this person a little closer to Jesus in this conversation today, in the questions that I ask them, in how I interact with them today, that maybe someone, someone along the way will be another chain in that rope and, and help us to be able to move this person along to have a relationship with Jesus. It's not all on one person. We're all in this together and we each have a part to play. But Jesus broke that barrier between living just for self and living purposefully. And I want to finish with this as the team come. Jesus broke the barrier between distance and intimacy. It says here in John chapter 4, verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritan came to him and they asked him to stay with them, he stayed there two more days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you have said that we believe. We have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. See, Jesus could have easily diverted around Samaria. He could have easily not gone. But He wanted to, to come close. He wanted to come near. He could have easily, even after He had this amazing interaction with this woman, He could have easily kept on traveling, but He said, no, I'm going to stay two more days. I think this is a reminder to us that it's Jesus' intention to come close. He wants to be intimate. He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to know us. Jesus stayed in their home. Just not, not, not another motel nearby. He stayed close. You know, I love what it says in the Bible that if we come close to God, God will come close to us. You know, one of the things in our world today that we need to understand is one of the biggest ways that we can love people is by giving them our undivided attention. We literally have 
platforms today and social media and all these things that are trying to pull away attention all the time. People are fighting for attention. Would we be the kind of people that would say, hey, Jesus, I'm going to give you my undivided attention. As an act of love to you, I want to spend some time with you. I want to open up my Bible. I want to pray. I don't want to be distant. I want that barrier to be removed. I want to be intimate. I want to be close. I'll finish with this. I was thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to relax yesterday afternoon. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch the last quarter of the AFL Grand Final. It's going to just sit there, relax. And uh, I was looking after my son Hudson, who's 18 months. And I just thought, yeah, no, I'm just going to sit down here. Anyway, time's going on. And I realize Hudson's quiet. <laughs> Never a good sign, but in, in my stupidity, I thought, well, that's great. He's quiet and I'm quiet. So I'm happy. And 10 minutes went by and then I thought, no, nah, he's too quiet. And so I made my way out to, to the kitchen area. <sighs> he's been in the fridge. He's got out the eggs. He's cracked a whole packet of eggs over the kitchen floor. And I'm like, God, everywhere. Eggs are harder to clean up than you think, right? And it got me thinking about proximity and intimacy and relationship. When there's distance, things happen. And I think it's the same when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And I want to finish with this. Jesus wants to break that barrier of distance. He wants to know you intimately and personally. He wants to be connected with you. And not the kind of connection that you were like, oh, I was on fire for God 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 3 years ago, like today. He wants to know us, be intimately connected with us. Come close to God and He will come close to you, Scripture reminds us. Jesus breaks that barrier of distance and intimacy. So would you stand with me this morning? We've seen that the barrier of differences broken, the barrier of sin, the barrier of knowledge without relationship, the barrier of the lost and the found, the barrier of living for self and living purposefully, and the barrier of distance and intimacy. And I want to pray for you this morning that you'll be intimately connected with Jesus. Not just going through the motions, but you would know Jesus personally and intimately. So would you lift your hands this morning? Lord Jesus, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Jesus. You are the ultimate barrier breaker. Lord, you don't want anything between us and you. And Lord, I pray if there is things this morning, whether that's sin or whether that's differences that we're elevating above you or whether that's uh, things like uh, the distance that we feel or whatever it is, Whatever barrier is there this morning, Jesus, I pray that you would remove that barrier. I pray that we would be in a loving, connected relationship with you, that there would be no distance. There would be a sense of intimacy with you. I thank you that you love us, Lord God, and your sole purpose for us is that we would have relationship with you. And out of that place, we would live the life that you've called us to live. Lord, I pray this morning, Help us to hold on to you. 
let go of the distractions and put our full focus into relationship with you. Remove every barrier, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's worship Jesus before we close this morning.